Welcome into another edition of the Gang Dust Fantasy Podcast. I am your host, Reed Foster, a.k.a. Call Me Get Mossed, also the commissioner of the league. This is going to be a solo pod today in light of the Thanksgiving holiday making guests a little bit more difficult today. First of all, before we get into anything, want to give a shout out to Everson Griffin. You know, we're all hoping he's okay after posting a pretty scary video on social media this week. He's had similar mental health episodes in the past, and anytime you mix mental illness with guns, uh, that's not the kind of cocktail you want, and, um, you know, his status for Sunday is still up in the air, but more than anything, we just hope Everson gets the help he needs and hope that uh, no one, including Everson, gets hurt in this situation. So wanted to take a moment to, a moment to address that. Uh, this is a pretty light day on the waivers. There were some acquisitions for people to see, but uh, there were no bidding wars, so I don't think there's too much to get into on that front. So we're going to... Uh, we're going to skip the transaction stuff today. Uh, and just a reminder before we get into the awards, all we're going to do today is just the awards section. Uh, I just want to remind everyone that Saturday is the trade deadline, November 27th. Uh, and obviously with the Evans Drake decision from last year, uh, you know, if a player plays on Thursday on Thanksgiving day, and there are three games going tomorrow, uh, you can complete a, you can complete a trade with a player that already played on Thursday, but it won't officially process until next week. Um, so there's still some options. You know, if you have someone going tomorrow, you still have a chance to get them out. Uh, but yeah, Saturday is the trade deadline, and be sure on that. Uh, so now moving on, you know, last week, what throughout the entire season, uh, because we moved to a 16 playoff format from the four teams that we had the first two years of the league, Everyone has remained in the playoff hunt to this point, much deeper than at any point last year where people were getting knocked out much earlier in the season with only four playoff spots to, to play for. Uh, but as such, last week was the equivalent of the Friday of a golf major where, you know, the picture isn't quite clear, but it's coming a little more into focus. And we have a few people that got knocked out. And the next couple of weeks will be the equivalent of the Saturday of a golf major, which, you know, colloquially is known as moving day. Uh, For now, though, uh, let's get to the awards. And the first award is the Enrique It's Over Award. And the co-winners of the award are Jack and Taylor for separate reasons. First off, with his victory over me and Barra's loss this week, Jack became the first manager to clinch a playoff spot after finishing dead last last season. He also effectively clinched the United's division. That's something that he can officially do this week with a win or a Barra loss. And on the flip side, there was any doubt before Melfi officially eliminated any hopes Taylor may have had for making the playoffs, and similarly, Eric finds his playoff chances on life support after succumbing to Daniel for the fourth straight matchup. Further complicating matters is that Justin Fields is out on Thursday with some bruised ribs, and inside, hopefully y'all have some braised ribs for Thanksgiving, a delicious meal, and Eric couldn't snag Andy Dalton, Justin Fields' replacement, meaning that he'll be relying most likely on Jared Goff on Turkey Day to keep him alive. The good news, though, Eric's wife, Faye, is an excellent cook. So we know Steve's going to be feasting well on Thursday, even if his team isn't. If I were Daniel, I'd be finding a way to snag some of those leftovers. 
And now we move to the Why Won't You Die Award. Why won't you die? Uh, perhaps the more interesting side of Eric's matchup this week is his opponent, Melfi. Despite myriad quarterback and roster quandaries and the cadre of haters that have circled him like vultures all season, the Melf man finds himself in the thick of the playoff chase with the same record as Nick and Daniel, the two highest scoring teams from last regular season. Should he prove victorious over Eric to get to 6-6, six and six, Carter will have his work cut out for him with matchups against Jack and Nick to close out the season. Depending on how the next two weeks go, Week 14 versus Nick could be a de facto playoff matchup. If Melfi makes the playoffs after that gauntlet, it surely will have been earned. Now we go to the Last Dance Award. It became personal with me. You know, I'm not saying he wasn't a threat, but me being compared to him, I, I took offense to that. I was a little bit upset. And the winner is, of course, going to be Sam for reasons that should be obvious. Perhaps the most consequential matchup of the week, Sam facing off against Nick. Both of them find themselves tied in the loss column in the Marino division with just two division losses each. Nick has outscored Sam by roughly 250 points on the season, but it's Sam that controls his destiny in the Marino division at 6-5. and five. Sam wins out. He'll secure the bye as the Marino division champ. He also has a chance to clinch the Marino with wins this week and next over Nick and Curtis respectively, should Curtis lose to Jack this week. Nick, however, he secured the season head-to-head tiebreaker over Curtis last week, but at 5-6, and six, he needs Curtis to lose at least once more to capture the division. And with a win this week, he'll be in excellent position to hold the tiebreaker over both Sam and Curtis, should it come to that. And Nick, of course, is also the winner of the Hansel Award. For the manager that's just so hot right now. Hansel. So hot right now. Hansel. Regardless of if he wins the Marino or not, Nick will be considered one of the two or three favorites to claim the championship if he makes the playoffs. It's almost hard to remember that he started 0-4 because of how hot he's been of late. Since week 5, the Fighting Boots have topped 234 points three times in seven matchups. Collectively, the rest of the league has accomplished that feat just nine times in 99 combined games over the course of the season. So Nick right now is really lapping the field compared to everyone else over the past seven weeks. And that, of course, uh, coincides with his major trade with Eric, where he sent out Justin Herbert and Devin Singletary and in return acquired Derek Carr, DeAndre Swift and Amari Cooper. On to the Bernie Sanders Touchdown Redistribution Award. Week 11 featured a pair of disgusting acts of selfishness and greed, with Jonathan Taylor and Austin Eckler holding touchdowns, like Jeff Bezos and Elon Musk hold wealth. Taylor and Eckler scored nine touchdowns in Week 11, while no other skill position player scored more than two touchdowns. For this country to move forward, we must pass a touchdowns-for-all bill. We cannot simply let the 1% hoard all of the touchdowns. The I'm Above the Law Award. I'm Above the Law. And the winner is Commissioner Reek. And finally, we want to get to the Daenerys Targaryen Break the Wheel Award. On its spins, crushing those on the ground. It's a beautiful dream. Stopping the wheel. You're not the first person who's ever dreamt it. I'm not going to stop the wheel. I'm going to break the wheel. The NFL is the winner for sticking us with the dumbass Lions 
once again on Thanksgiving. They're a loser franchise, and the idea that we still have to watch them annually is beyond ridiculous. Christmas NBA games will never be better than Thanksgiving NFL because regular season NBA is just an inherently inferior product to regular season NFL due to the relative lack of stakes. But NBA on Christmas consistently has better matchups than Thanksgiving NFL because it doesn't feel beholden to loser franchises like the Lions. I mean, the Lions literally have fewer wins on Thanksgiving since 2015 than the Bears. And for that matter, it, it's not like the Cowboys have been hitting on much in our lifetimes considering they haven't been to the NFC Championship game since 1995 which in large part, of course, is due to two blowout losses in the playoffs to the Carolina Panthers. But, you know, it's not like the Cowboys have been overly successful either. I guess relative to the Lions, okay, you know what? At least the Cowboys, they're America's team, they're popular. What are the Lions bringing to the table? What exactly is it that they're bringing to the table? They scared Calvin Johnson and Barry Sanders, two of the 10 most electric skill position players, arguably of all time, easily of the past 30 years, Both of them retired early because the Lions were such a loser franchise. They provide nothing. They don't win. They're not fun to watch. And I'm tired of watching it. And everyone else is tired of it too. And there's no justification for it. The idea that, well, we did it back in the 70s, so it's a good idea now, is just patently ridiculous. We still had lead in the pipes of all the drinking water back in the 70s. Oh, wait, we guess we still have that now. But regardless. Bob Digi, you G-O-D, Aquan the Chef. The Inspector Deck, M-E-T-H-O-D, the B-O-B-B, straight up, Master Killer, the Jizza, the Genius, it's an old, the dirty bastard. One, two, one, two, Killer turn beast. it up, the headphone, turn it up. Yo, you hear me? Yeah. What up, Tony? What's up, dog, dog? All the way up. Let's get this paper together. That's all it goes. Uh-huh. I'm about to go on some real bullshit. Uh-huh. W-T-C. That's right, you know what I 